Flexmuscle.com brings you Quantum Physiques, building strength and power for your mind, your body, and your spirit. Alternative medicine, muscle growth, mood enhancement, motivation, putting your mind at ease, harnessing your maximum potential. Quantum Physiques, here's your host, Brian Cunningham. And welcome to Quantum Physiques here on RxMuscle.com, where we strive to build strength and power for mind, body, and spirit. I have an awesome guest coming on in a few minutes, but let me ask you guys, do you think soda can actually help you to burn fat and build muscle? Now, everyone knows, of course, the controversy about soda as far as liquid sugar being toxic. Heck, even 60 Minutes, so that just last week had a show finally going mainstream, acknowledging that sugar actually is toxic to our systems. But it turns out there's another kind of soda that actually is pretty phenomenal for athletes that want to burn fat, build muscle. Heck, they're even using it now potentially to treat breast cancer, believe it or not. And the kind of soda that I'm talking about is baking soda. Turns out there's some recent studies coming up. This is actually from a Subversity blog I found recently that um, combining creatine with baking soda actually helps the creatine uh, to become more bioavailable. To become more bioavailable, it actually helps to survive the, the the acidity of the stomach. But then it also helps to do a few other things. It turns out that um, in athletes, their one rep maximum was increased by using up to I think four or five grams of baking soda. And on top of that, let me see if I can find some of the uh, conclusions here. A few tablespoons of baking soda could increase, according to the studies, 34% increase in time to exhaustion and an up to 91% in the total work during a high-intensity uh, exercise routine. It had synergistic and superior effects compared to beta-alanine, which everybody knows, of course, is a really good ergogenic aid. Um, baking soda also was shown to protect against stress-induced oxidative damage to white blood cells. And it even increased performance in tennis players, according to one recent study. Now, I bring this up because in my research for my next guest, I came across, a, um, a, I guess, the fact that some, maybe the CDC or somebody actually is looking at baking soda as a potential treatment for breast cancer in particular. And so with that... I actually want to introduce our guest. His name is Dr. Michael Murray. I've been a big fan of his for probably going over 20 years now, actually. He is one of the world's leading authorities on natural medicine, having published over 30 books on health-related topics. And his research into the health benefits of nutrition um, is the foundation for a best-selling line of vitamins. Of course, everyone knows Natural Factors, where he is the director of product development. He is a graduate faculty member and serves on the board of regents for the prestigious Bastyr University in Seattle, Washington. And with that, I want to welcome Dr. Michael Murray. Mike, welcome to the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, great to have you on. Now, I met Michael actually at uh, Expo West, which is a big natural products convention, and we got into some interesting conversation about stress and GABA, which we'll cover uh, later on on the show. But, you know, um, Dr. Murray, I just want to ask you quickly, what's your opinion about baking soda? Have you come across that recent uh, study on it being an ergogenic aid and potentially helping people with breast cancer? I guess it works in some ways to help alkalize the body. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, yes, that would that would be how, how it would have to work. Uh, I think there are probably uh, healthier and uh, more ideal ways to achieve that goal. Uh, eating uh, a diet rich in plant food uh, is a thing that comes to mind. Uh, you know, juicing has long been a kind of a natural therapy for a, a wide range of conditions, and many of the benefits of juicing uh, relate to the fact that it has uh, all these alkaline rich uh, uh, foods that uh, are they use to drive the the juice, you know, eating uh, super green foods, 
know, taking uh, even some simple uh, uh, mineral salts, uh, you know, calcium citrate, magnesium citrate, uh, they too would achieve the same sort of benefits that you would as, uh, achieve with uh, taking sodium bicarbonate, but without the uh, the sodium. Oh, I got. I understand. Sure, sure. So now you are a big proponent of the idea um, that excessive acidity is detrimental or pro-inflammatory in the body. Yeah, I think uh, you know the key is is balance with everything, and the, the body strives to keep uh, various uh, <laughs> uh, secretions and, and body fluids within a very narrow pH range. And if if the body becomes too acidic or if it becomes too alkaline, there there are problems that can can result. So you can actually overdo it by having a body that's too alkaline as well. That's pretty interesting, actually. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, I'm a big fan, um, Michael, actually not of juicing, but of making smoothies, of actually putting like whole yep. kale, the whole plant. Do you think I'm um, yeah. losing some of the benefits at all, though, by, um, by extracting the juice? Or Oh, no, not just, at all. Okay, uh, yeah, because yeah, uh, I've been a big fan uh, of that, actually. I'm just kind of wondering um, how the, how the um, I guess, the, 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 the cellulose affects digestion in a sense, you know? Yeah, you know, if you think about what the average American is eating, uh, you know, <laughs> it's pretty much a high acidic diet. Uh, they're not they're not getting uh, <clears throat> many uh, f- fresh fruits and vegetables. Uh, you know, their their primary source of vegetables are French fries and potato chips. Uh, you know, they're relying a lot on milk and and uh, meat and, and uh, other highly acidic foods, and just not balancing things out with a high intake of vegetables as well. Yeah, no, great point. You know, one thing I want to just remind the audience here is that um, I have to say, I was impressed when I met you, uh, Dr. Murray, because of the fact that you really aren't just one of these doctors up there in academia who's out of shape. You actually are fit, healthy, good-looking guy. So you really exude a sense of health that I think is important, especially this community here, because we're really into making sure that people don't just talk the talk, but actually walk the walk. And it seems like you do in your own personal life. Is that correct? <laughs> I, you know, I, I do everything that I can. And, you know, the, I think it goes back to why I wanted to become a naturopathic physician. Uh, at the first day at, at Bastyr, uh, myself and my classmates, we were in a circle. We went around. Everyone explained what their goals were, why they were there, and what they hoped to accomplish and I basically said I, I came to naturopathic school because I thought it would be the best route for me to learn how to be as healthy as I can from a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual point of view and uh, uh, I thought maybe if I learned how to uh, improve my own health I might be able to share something that would be really valuable for, for other people and I, I think I, I accomplished that goal. I, I'm 54, I feel great, uh, You know, I work hard at it. I I, I eat well. I exercise. Uh, when I exercise, I wear a heart rate monitor. I try and, and, and work in my my uh, training zone. I keep track of my uh, calorie burn. I do a good job keeping uh, track of my caloric intake. I'm I'm flooding my my body with all these uh, health promoting uh, you know superfoods, multiple vitamin and mineral formula, uh, fish oils, all the things that uh, I think the research shows are very helpful in promoting a long and healthy life. I try to think good thoughts. I, I try to uh, <laughs> do everything that I can to uh, accomplish my goal, which is to be the best that I can be. No, that's a great point, actually. You know, speaking of your own personal regimen, um, obviously entropy leads to, I guess, the ultimate falling apart of all the metabolic processes in the body. Um, and to some degree, there seems to be, you know, an accumulating amount of evidence pointing to the fact that nutrients in pharmacologically active doses help to mitigate this process. Um, so, you know, the bottom line here, 
Dr. Murray is, am I crazy because I'm taking 50 different supplements a day? I mean, I'm taking alpha-lipoic acid and benfotamine and, you know, um, yeah. acetyl-L-carnitine yeah. and trimethylglycine. <laughs> and most of my listeners well, are doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, I, I, I think uh, that anytime we take anything in, whether it's food, uh, you know, beverage, a drug, or a nutritional agent, we have to have an understanding of what the benefits are and what the risks are. And if people are uh, educating themselves and uh, utilizing these natural products uh, appropriately, I, I think that they are extremely important in helping them achieve their health goals. And uh, you're probably like me. I take, you know, I probably take, you know, over, I know I take over 100 different uh, pills, uh, supplement pills a day, uh, but I know what each one is doing, and, and I know uh, that I'm not overdoing it in any one area. I'm a big fan of, uh, of, of uh, flavonoid-rich extracts and uh, the, uh, the eating the right types of fats and, and re really supporting your body chemistry as, as best you can through supplementation, but it, it does take a little bit of self-education. I know uh, when I was in practice, we would ask patients to bring in their supplements, and many times they would come in with with two huge bags of all the different supplements they were taking. And uh, we have a name for these people in the health food industry, by the way. We call them good customers. But uh, <laughs> many times they they were they weren't getting their money's worth. Uh, they were taking things that uh, were were duplicates of other things they were. Uh, taking or uh, they were they ended up because maybe they were taking you know four or five different uh, nutritional supplements that you know, maybe they were, were taking just huge amounts of zinc or some other mineral way out of balance so uh, if, if you are taking supplements you just have to make sure that uh, everything kind of fits together and, and that, that you have an understanding again of what the benefits are what the risks are and uh, make sure you're taking it at the right dose. No, that's a great point. So for somebody who is aggressive and really wants to take more, I guess, you know, responsibility for their lives and with supplements and with knowing what their own biochemical individuality is, is there any specific types of testing you recommend um, that they can do either maybe with a, an online lab or something or through a naturopath or, or you know, a conventional doctor? Uh, you know, I think just uh, just sticking to kind of the basics, uh, and what I mean by that is just you know, a yearly physical, looking at uh, um, uh, not only uh, you know how your how your uh, major uh, body systems are functioning, but also doing some laboratory tests that measure your basic chemistry profile. Uh, you know, of course, we're concerned about you know total cholesterol, LDL, HDL cholesterol, as well as inflammatory markers like C-reactive protein. Want to make sure that your blood glucose is in the in the right range. We want to make sure that the liver's not being irritated by anything that you're taking, uh, and then we want to do a, a complete uh, blood cell count where we take a look at red blood cells and white blood cells to make sure that uh, everything's good there. I think that's really where it starts. A lot of the um, uh, really expensive testing, and, and and I would do it on occasion with patients, but uh, most of the time it really wasn't necessary because it wasn't going to change how I was going to uh, move forward with them because when patients came to see me my goal was to help improve their health as, as best I could and uh, so when sometimes when we when we do uh, lab testing we're just taking a picture at that particular point in time is it if, if it was going to affect how I would 
approach this patient and how, or how I would treat them, then yes, I would do it. But, uh, you know, I, I had done some uh, tests looking at very sophisticated uh, measurements of, you know, uh, various uh, antioxidants or various nutritional compounds, and I found I got good information back, but it didn't change how I would move forward. Uh, in most cases, what I do is I focus on some fundamental steps to improving a person's health. Uh, I help them with diet. I help them with lifestyle modification. I help them with their attitude. They have to condition that just like they have to condition their physical body. And then as far as supplements go, I would I would stick to some basics at first. Everyone would, would get a high-potency multiple vitamin and mineral formula. Everyone would get a, a, a good uh, source of phytochemicals, of, uh, plant-based antioxidants like a super green food or a, a flavonoid rich extract like grapeseed extract or pine bark extract and then everybody would get a, a high quality pharmaceutical grade fish oil. That would be my foundation and if they had specific issues, you know, most people, most of us have a weak link. It might be the heart for some people, for another person it might be their joints or their immune system or their digestion or their liver. Uh, then I would look to specialty supplements to, to build upon that. Uh, then if, if, if a person was interested in achieving uh, extreme wellness and uh, wanting to live as long as they could with vibrancy and good health, and uh, you know we would aggressively take steps in that direction as well. But we got to take care of that foundation first: a high potency multiple, a good greens product or flavonoid rich extract, and then a pharmaceutical grade fish oil. If everyone would do that and eat well, have positive mental thoughts, and uh, condition their attitude, and and follow a health promoting lifestyle, boy, you know we we'd put the drug industry out of business. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Um, and you know, and my audience, just so you know, they are, they're very health conscious. They're very intelligent. So they're definitely uh, way ahead of the curve, but even just like one of your uh, top recommendations right there, a high potency multivitamin, tell me in your opinion, and I'm sure you're probably going to agree with me. There is a difference between something like a Centrum or like a, a GNC generic brand multivitamin and something like what yeah. your company puts out. Is that correct? There's a lot of science that goes into dissolution, compression ratios, um, binders, excipients. Is that not correct? Yeah, that's right. And uh, what what happens with food, drug, and mass uh, multiples is they, they're woefully deficient in minerals. And vitamins and minerals, they work in our bodies as components of enzymes. And enzymes, as I'm sure your listeners know, are molecules that either build other molecules or break them down. One arm holds a vitamin, the other arm holds a mineral. In order for that enzyme to do its job, it needs to have both arms occupied. So all the vitamins in the world really do our body uh, very little good if they are, are not matched with the corresponding mineral cofactor. So when we start looking at nutrient levels and mineral levels in most Americans, uh, they, they, are, they are severely deficient in, in minerals. So, you know, if you look at the Recommended dietary intake for magnesium, for example, 300 to 400 milligrams per day. Uh, the average intake in America is, is about a, 167, I think, was a, was the last estimate. The average person in America consumes 167 milligrams of magnesium each day, and yet our body requires three to 400 milligrams. So right there, we start seeing problems, and magnesium is involved in all these different enzyme reactions 
actions. It's a critical nutrient against heart disease. It's very important for our mood. It helps fight uh, stress. So it has a lot of these great benefits. So if you're not taking your necessary minerals each day, you run the risk, of, I think, of, of really wasting your money on a, on a, a multiple vitamin and mineral formula. No, that's a great point. Yeah, definitely. You know, with the exception of magnesium, um, if there were, a, if there was a category of, of you know, n- n- nutrients that you would say you would urge caution with, do you think the metals would be one? Like, for example, I know calcium um, has that duplicitous role where too much of it can be toxic. Yeah. A lot of guys, for example, think zinc elevates testosterone and they're taking like copious quantities of zinc. Oh. Um, is, yeah. is this potentially, and iron too, are these potentially, I mean, not dangerous, but is there some con- caution that should be urged for men, especially taking iron and zinc? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, calcium, I'll get back to iron and zinc, but calcium is very interesting because it's really throwing a a monkey wrench in a lot of the research and a lot lot of what what gets put out there in the media uh, is really, uh, oh, geez, it's it's so frustrating. (laughs) And I I appreciate People, people like your, yourself who are getting the, the truth out there and, and helping people uh, be critical thinkers. But uh, when we look at this, the data with calcium, it's no surprise that these studies are showing that a high intake of supplemental calcium is associated with an increased risk for cardiovascular disease, for example, because many women, for example, they, they hear calcium is, is good for their bones, they're worried about osteoporosis. They think that if a little is good, more is better so they start taking huge amounts of calcium what the research shows is that uh, there's no greater effects on bone health if you take uh, 2,000 milligrams of calcium a day over 1,000 milligrams. But when you start getting above 1,000 milligrams of calcium per day, especially uh, if you don't take any other mineral source, you run the risk of impairing the absorption of not only magnesium, but zinc and, and, and other important minerals. So it's little wonder that we would see a consequence of that. So uh, yes, the minerals are very important that we take them uh, at a reasonable dose uh, uh, the RDA is is, is 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 set pretty good for for minerals. We just have to take them in that balance. When we start taking one at the expense of the others, then we start throwing things out of balance. And you're absolutely correct about men uh, rarely needing iron. Iron causes more problems in most men than it would benefit. Uh, we don't lose much iron unless we have uh, some sort of bleeding issue, with, like with an ulcer or, or severe bleeding hemorrhoids. So we're not losing a lot of iron. So our body's holding on to it pretty good. Uh, And then if you look at zinc, yeah, you're absolutely right. uh, That was one of the things I started noticing when I would ask patients to bring in all their supplements. Uh, Many of these men were health-minded. They were taking uh, different formulas for different body functions, and they all seemed to contain 15 to 20 or 30 (laughs) milligrams zinc. And it wasn't unusual for them to be taking very high quantities of zinc. And zinc is great. We need zinc, but it has to be in balance, and there's a, a ratio of zinc to copper that's very important. When copper levels get driven down by too much zinc, then it appears to increase our risk for cardiovascular disease. We don't want that. So again, it comes down to education and understanding that, yeah, there's there's some uh, responsibility that comes with, with taking these nutritional supplements. You want to make sure that you take things in balance. Yeah, you can't just have that pill-popping mentality that people who pop pharmaceuticals have, I think, with just like, if some is good, more is better. Obviously, you really need to start looking at that. That's a great point. Quantum physics, building strength and power for your mind, body, and spirit. 
Myotropics Physique Nutrition is the most exciting supplement company to come along in decades. That's because Myotropics isn't just another company. It's the brainchild of iconic metabolic expert, Dr. Scott Connolly, the inventor of the original body recomposition product that changed the industry and allowed millions of people to get in the best shape of their life. And CEO Vince Andrich, author of the groundbreaking Physique Athlete Guide. Myotropics flagship product, Physique 2.0, contains their exclusive Meta Effects Amino CD protein compound that maximizes whole body protein economy. Your personal linchpin for gaining and retaining the most muscle while also shedding maximum body fat. Plus, Physique 2.0 contains the world's first legitimate fat burning carbohydrate, Meta Effects FAO-CHO, for full hard muscle and increased fat burn. If you live to develop the ultimate physique, go with Myotropics, real people that live to develop physique nutrition. Go to Myotropics.com. It's your body. It's your art. Master it. Myotropics.com. Visit ExtremeFitNutrition.com, the newest and hottest supplement super site. We carry all the major brands, including Species, MHP, BPI, BSN, Optimal Nutrition, Gaspari, and many more. Low on cash? No problem. ExtremeFitNutrition.com offers competitive prices that our competitors can't beat. Now you can supplement your diet without having to supplement your bank account. Here's some of our specials. Buy $100 worth of Species products or Metabolic Nutrition and get a free t-shirt and bag. Buy $200 worth of BSN products and receive a BSN t-shirt and shaker bottle. Remember, there's only one extreme. Visit ExtremeFitNutrition.com now. Out on the edge of fitness and endurance, there's a line. It's where winners and losers are defined. That's the narrow place where Gamma O gives the serious competitor the extra step. That extra kick nobody knew was there. Gamma O raises your testosterone level naturally and legally. So before you step up to the line one more time, be prepared to bring it with Gamma O, the all-natural testosterone booster. Gamma O is available nationwide at general nutrition centers or on the web at GammaO.com. If you train hard, you need to recover hard. Training elevates cortisol, but so does stress and tension. Stress is the number one health risk you face today, and not only causes you to put on abdominal fat, but it's also one of the contributing factors in the top six causes of death, which includes heart disease and cancer. But now you can relieve that stress, rebuild, recover, and feel great with fast-acting Gabitrol. Gabitrol works quickly to help you improve relaxation and recovery, reduce cortisol, elevating stress, and reduce binge eating. Plus, Gabitrol will also help you to get that deep, restful sleep. Warriors are built, not born. And now you can build a better body with fast-acting Gabitrol. Recommended by New York Times number one best-selling author, Dr. John Gray, Gabitrol is available now at rxstress.com. P28 High Protein Bread is the official bread of RX Muscle. Are you looking to incorporate more protein into your meals or just want to enjoy bread again? Then look no further. Try the 100% natural P28 High Protein Bread. P28 High Protein Bread is a formulated revolutionary breakthrough product. Packed with whey protein isolate, 14 grams of protein per slice, 12 grams of carbs, 8 essential amino acids, and made with 100% whole wheat. Fear bread no more. Build a better body with P28. Order today at HighProteinBread.com. P28 is also now available at Bodybuilding.com and many other retailers. Order now. HighProteinBread.com. P28 Bread. RX Muscle approved. 
Fusion Bodybuilding makes bodybuilding strongest supplements, and they're committed to giving back to you. Fusion Bodybuilding not only want to promote the bodybuilding lifestyle, but they also want to help build the sport. Bodybuilding is all they do. It's their obsession. You know the feeling. That's why you're here. Visit Fusion Bodybuilding at FusionBodybuilding.com or join in on the conversation on the Fusion Bodybuilding fan page on Facebook, where you'll find IFBB Pro Q&As, contest giveaways, and nothing but in-depth bodybuilding talk. Fusion Bodybuilding, bodybuilding's strongest supplements. Head over to FusionBodybuilding.com today. RxMuscle.com. Now you have a place to turn when you want the truth on bodybuilding, diet, and exercise, up-to-the-minute news, and more. Visit the RxMuscle.com forums featuring celebrity Q&As with IFBB professional athletes, top amateurs, and the brightest minds in the industry. Listen to our weekly radio shows including Heavy Muscle Radio, Muscle Girls Inc., After Hours, and more. Contest coverage, videos, even our own social networking site, RxMuscleplace. Visit RxMuscle.com. You know, one thing I got to say, I, I was kind of shocked, actually, Dr. Murray, is when I was, began looking up some of the stuff here for this interview, I came across the Wikipedia Wikipedia definition of an ortho, or the Wikipedia page on orthomolecular medicine, and I was kind of shocked at how biased it was against orthomolecular medicine. Now, listen, we're not going to get into homeopathy. It's very controversial, but, you know, in my opinion... Orthomolecular medicine, which is basically the use of a pharmacologically, you know, sufficient or adequate doses of nutrients to impart, you know, um, medicinal effects. I thought it was very grounded in science, and that, that there was a lot of peer-reviewed literature supporting it. Actually, am I am I incorrect in that supposition? Wow, no, you're not. And uh, oh, you know, th- th- <laughs> my latest book is what the drug companies won't tell you, and your doctor doesn't know. And there's so much uh, propaganda out there by the drug companies. Uh, The doctors, I think, are in most cases uh, unknowing pawns in this this, uh, scheme of of how the drug companies want to make more money. Uh, And it just seems like the influence of the the drug industry is pervasive. And uh, and I address this in in the book and talk about some of the the bias in the medical literature. Because you can look at some of these orthomolecular treatments that have great science behind them, yet you won't find them mentioned in any medical textbook, nor will they be in the uh, guidelines, the clinical guidelines that physicians follow. Uh, these clinical practice guidelines, by the way, it turns out that 80 to percent of the authors of these guidelines, these are the guidelines that physicians follow to make sure they're practicing good medicine. It turns out that 80 percent of the authors uh, have direct financial ties to the drug companies. They're basically uh, working almost entirely uh, for the drug companies, and yet uh, we've we've given them the the uh, ability to dictate uh, how physicians practice medicine. It's just it's just silly because uh, there's many safe and effective dietary treatments, nutritional supplement protocols, other natural therapies that are sounded and uh, founded in science, well supported in the scientific literature, but they never show up in these medical textbooks and it, it just it begs the question why well what the answer is is that there's this bias against these natural approaches and we see that bias uh, extended to the media well you know the media is not <laughs> maybe that's not a good example because who's paying the bills who who's the primary advertiser now well it's the drug industry so uh, you know I, I think something like we 
Wikipedia, it, it strives to be uh, legitimate and provide good information, but we still see uh, bias uh, th- you know, throughout it, and I think it's because of this overall cultural bias against uh, natural approaches and the, the, the bias towards this you know, biomedical model using these drugs as biochemical band-aids, which in many cases cause more harm than good. When we, we are living, Brian, in what I refer to as the, the dark ages of, 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 of pharmacy. When, when <laughs> medical historians look back at many of the drugs that are popular today, they're going to they're gonna say, what the heck were those people thinking? How could they be so stupid? Because many of the drugs either cause more problems than the disease itself, or they end up worsening the disease they're, they're, they're trying to treat. Uh, I'm sure you, you came across that the, the research from Dr. Kripke at the University of California, San Diego in sleeping pills. It's unbelievable. He spent the last 30 years studying the harmful effects of sleeping pills are responsible each year for somewhere between 320,000 and 500,000 deaths in the United wow. States. That's no, I didn't. That, that's, that's shocking. Oh, it is, and it, but it's not shocking when you look at the way the drugs work, because uh, what the drugs do is they put people to sleep, but they disrupt normal sleep patterns. They, and we need we we don't know all the answers about sleep. It's still very mysterious, but there's no question that we need to get good, high quality sleep every single night. And uh, the pills they'll put people to sleep, but they will not achieve those deeper levels of sleep, so they don't get that that real uh, energy recharge in that cell. The cell it doesn't detoxify, it doesn't recharge, it, it doesn't revive and rejuvenate. And so uh, it's a little wonder that what the studies show is that when, when people uh, start using these sleeping pills, they will dramatically increase their, their mortality risk. Uh, in in uh, one of the first studies that Dr. Kripke did, this is an analysis of over uh, one million subjects. It was, it was actually a, a study sponsored by the American Cancer Society. He found that anyone who took 18 sleeping pills a month had a 50% increase in mortality within five years. Wow. That, that, I didn't know that. This is actually shocking. Yeah. I know Dr. Wild said sleeping pills are some of the most dangerous medications, but I didn't know that that was what he's referring to, I guess, because that really is shocking to me. Oh, it is. When you think that one out of 10 Americans are on these drugs... These drugs were never uh, approved or uh, suitable for long-term use, but most people on them are on them for the long term. They're highly addictive. They they interfere with with normal uh, brain processes. They're associated with actually inducing depression. Uh, they're not good drugs. We have to look at better approaches to to uh, to getting a good night's sleep, and that's really critical. That's a critical step for many people to make significant improvements in their lives. When I was in practice. I always focused on uh, how people are sleeping because I found that if I could improve their sleep, I could dramatically improve their health and their quality of life very quickly. Because uh, think about it, when you don't get a good night's sleep, you don't have energy, you, you tend to be a little grumpier. But when you get that good night's sleep, you have more energy, you have more passion, the world looks brighter, you're friendlier, everything is better. All your minor symptoms go away, you start, you, you have energy to become positive, to to start uh, uh, exercising and, and making changes that you want to make in, in your life. So, uh, you know, helping people get a good night's sleep is a real key core goal uh, for, for improving your life. 
No, it's a great point. I mean, you get melatonin, which of course regulates the P53 oncogene and you get growth hormones. So, and those two especially, it's probably part of the reason why you need to have dark room when you sleep so that you, you get maximum melatonin stimulation, right? Oh, yeah, good good point. Uh, anyone that's on shift work, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> a nurse or, you know, nowadays, uh, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of, of our population that are working all night and they're sleeping during the day. Uh, what the research shows quite convincingly is that these people have an increased risk for uh, early death due to cancer and uh particularly women in breast cancer, and it looks like that that is related to the suppression of the melatonin release. So uh, if, in shift workers, I definitely recommend uh, melatonin supplementation at night, and I like to recommend a special form of vitamin B12 called methylcobalamin first thing when they awaken. Uh, the methylcobalamin has been shown to, to suppress that uh, daytime or awake time melatonin secretion, and that allows... Uh, oh, wow. restoration, the restoration of the sleep-wake cycle, which is is really critical. Many people they, they they studied this in elderly people. You know, we've seen the the elderly person who, you know, they can't sleep at night, but yet you know you sit them in front of the TV during the middle of the day, they they can't stay awake. Well, uh, their sleep-wake cycle is disrupted, and we can reset that by by using this uh, methylcobalamin form of B12 upon awakening, and then melatonin tone and at night, but I found that same recipe works great for pilots that are in flight attendants that their their sleep-wake cycle is severely disrupted or shift workers or uh, anyone who, who's, who's struggling with uh, with their with their sleep quality. I found that that is, is a is kind of a, a secret weapon to help them reset that sleep-wake cycle. That's a great point. Now, I'm assuming, obviously, methyl is more superior to cyano, uh, which leads to the question about methyl donors. Is that the reason why? Because it looks like SAMe and TMG, um, methyl has that ability to donate methyl groups, or is there something different about methyl B12? Yeah, uh, in, in one of the studies, they compared the effects of methylcobalamin to cyanocobalamin in, in sleep-wake uh, cycle uh, disorder patients, and they found that the it was only the methylcobalamin. Methylcobalamin is the active form of vitamin B12, uh, so when we take cyanocobalamin, uh, we have to, to split that off, and, it, it, and then we have to methylate it, and uh, sometimes people uh, are lacking the ability to donate that methyl group. And, and uh, as you mentioned, uh, we need we need SAMe for that. We need uh, B12, and we need uh, folic acid. So uh, there's a lot of reasons why that doesn't occur. And I think that methylation kind of slows down as, as many people age as well. I'm a big fan of poor man methyl donors. Obviously, SAMe is pretty expensive. Um, <laughs> yeah, do you believe yeah. in things like MSM and like four to five gram TMG, three to four thousand milligrams? Am I being too aggressive? You think? I mean, they're pretty benign. Yeah, I think they're benign. I don't have any problem with uh, with MSM for sure. I mean, MSM is, is virtually non-toxic. Uh, you know, uh, I think uh, I generally recommend it in the, around 1,200 to 2,000 uh, milligrams. But, you know, there are other doctors I know that go up to, uh, you know, five grams or more of MSM. And, you know, TMG or even choline, uh, inositol, they, they have some, some methyl donor activity as well. Yeah, it's great, great, good stuff. And then with that methyl B12, just out of curiosity, how many micrograms are we talking about? 
Oh, uh, yeah. In the studies, they used a dose of 3,000 uh, uh, wow. micrograms, three, three milligrams. So that's a little bit heftier of a dose. And the, the dose for B12, or excuse me, for, for melatonin is, 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 uh, is three milligrams. Yeah, you don't think three milligrams is heavy? Because I just look at some kind of a meta-analysis um, somewhere, maybe yeah. it's one of the, on the alternative journals, and they said that they think that 300 micrograms is the optimal dose of melatonin, um, that you get a good, I guess, dose response curve without any of the um, you know negatives or possible negatives, but going higher and stuff. Do you have any opinion on melatonin supplementation? Yeah, uh, I, I've read a lot of these studies and, and, and understand the literature very well. Uh, I think I think three milligrams is, is very benign. You know, some of the more recent studies with uh, melatonin have been done in, in children, particularly children with attention deficit disorder and autism and related conditions, uh, and, and they, they they don't see any uh, adverse effects. Uh, when melatonin first hit the market, we were very uh, cautious about recommending it to kids, but uh, with this newer data, it, it shows that uh, yeah, the three mil, even at three milligrams, that's a very safe dose. So I, I think that somewhere in that range of uh, 300 micrograms to 3,000 3, micrograms or three milligrams is, is is the right dose. And you know, there's some studies now with the timed release melatonin and. Um, Different uh, uh, different delivery systems, but yeah, you know, I, I, I think for most people, just three milligrams is is fine. Okay. There's another harm. Now that we're discussing hormones, there is one that is kind of controversial that maybe you could just opine on. Um, DHEA, of course, it does do a lot of things. You've, I'm actually reading your book now and you definitely have got some good points about adrenal exhaustion and the cortisol DHEA levels. But do you think, number one, is oral DHEA even bioavailable? Number two, um, again, it's a dual-edged sword. You have to be careful with DHEA because of its potential yeah. um, estrogenic effects in men, for example, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, uh, and, and I'm sure your, your audience is familiar with the, with the cautions. It's a precursor, so if there's an imbalance uh, and you start loading up on the precursor, uh, <laughs> men could actually uh, impair their their testosterone secretion yeah. and, and end up, uh, you know, having excess estrogen. So um, I, I think it's one. This is one where you want to be very uh, conservative, and uh, uh, I've always recommended uh, monitoring the levels, but when I recommend uh, supplementation, I, I generally recommend it at a lower dose, uh, you know, 5 to 15 milligram dose. For, oh, very for, low, yeah, sure. Yeah, and then for, for women, uh, I, 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 I'll, I'll go a little bit higher than that, maybe go 15 to 25 milligrams. But again, you know, I have the luxury of, of when I was placing people on these hormones, we would, we would measure and see what the blood levels are, or even salivary measurements, just to give us an idea that things were going in the right direction. Uh, when I was in practice, um, I haven't been in practice for about 10 years, but uh, about uh, 15, 20 years ago uh, was the start of this uh, progesterone craze in women and women were just lathering themselves up with these <laughs> progesterone creams. And uh, we, would do we would do blood levels, Brian, and the, the blood levels would be three to 5,000 times higher than normal and <laughs> oh I just God. I just don't think I just don't think that that's I don't think that that's 
uh, good. <laughs> I just think it, you know, so, uh, yeah, for, for some of these hormones, uh, you know, cortisol, we, we have a tendency to, to, to label cortisol as a bad thing, but, you know, there are situations where cortisol is a, is a lifesaver for somebody. <laughs> it gets they, me out of bed in the they, morning, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's, it's really, really important to, to, to remember, we've been talking about that word balance a couple of times, and uh, with hormones especially, we, we want balance. We don't want excess of, of, of any of these hormones because it's a system. And, you know, that's the biggest thing, I, 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 one of the biggest things I have against some of the research that's been done on a lot of these uh, natural compounds, whether supplements or, or, or hormones, uh, we, we tend to uh, just use one thing. And, and, and forget the, the fact that these compounds work in a system. Uh, so when you look at uh, you know some of these individual antioxidants, whether it's vitamin C or beta carotene or vitamin E, the research is pretty clear. You you administer high doses of any one of those, and and and, and you you don't administer the the team of of antioxidants along with it, that uh, the, the the compound doesn't produce the benefits that were expected. Uh, these uh, results were first seen with the studies with uh, with beta carotene. Studies showed that diets were that were rich in in carotenes protected against lung cancer in smokers. So they thought, well, we'll give smokers really high doses of beta carotene. And when they did that, they found that they actually increased the risk of yeah. cancer and heart disease. Well, that's because beta carotene has a very narrow range of antioxidant activity. But when we hear this term antioxidant, we have a tendency to think that all of these compounds behave the same. They, 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 they don't. There are as many different antioxidants as there are musical instruments. We need that whole symphony. When you're lacking a particular musical instrument, you can't make the sound that you need to make. And if you're lacking some of the companion uh, antioxidants with beta carotene or vitamin E or vitamin C or whatever, uh, that compound can't do its job and it can actually form a toxic free radical itself. So that explains some of the uh, kind of conflicting data that, that people will, will often uh, here in, from the media, oh, you know, latest supplement uh, shows, uh, latest study shows this, this supplement produces the opposite effect of what they thought it was going to show. Well, it's usually because they've taken it out of balance and, and, and uh, without those accessory uh, compounds that are vital to that substance being able to do its job. That's, you know, uh, that's kind of our theme today is that uh, <laughs> you, have to, you, have to, you have to do um, it all. You can't just take one thing and expect that to be the, the panacea for everything that ails you, uh, especially when it relates to nutrition, because uh, in nutrition, uh, everything is interrelated. We, we have a, a biological system. A system requires much more than one nutrient. It requires a balance of all these different nutrients. And I'm really excited about the futures. I'm sure you are in what we're learning. And, and what we're learning is so exciting because we're learning about biochemical individuality. We're learning that in the future, we're going to be able to better prescribe diet, nutritional supplements, and herbal compounds that can push different buttons different enzymes and different uh, reactions to, to drive people to better health. I think that's the future. That, that's what I see as a medical researcher. Uh, I see the future of medicine being uh, using factors that 
that are natural to us, dietary, uh, you know, things that we can find in our food supply, things that are natural uh, to our body, things that we produce ourselves, that's where we're going to find the real answers to improving our health. It's really exciting. You know, uh, I'm sure you've talked on your show about the Human Genome Project, how they thought they were going to answer all our ills by understanding the human genetic uh, composition. Well, they finished the Human Genome Project and they, they found out that, you know what? Yeah. Genes really don't uh, explain everything. You can take identical twins. That means that they have the exact same DNA, same genetic blueprint. By the time that uh, identical twin is 50, uh, they're only expressing about one to three percent of the same genes that wow. the person that, that their twin is expressing, and so uh, what they're learning that's even more important than the uh, genetic code, except when we're talking about severe genetic uh, defects, is the influence of the epigenome and the epigenome is basically these these compounds that that regulate how the gene is expressed so they're the guardian of the gene and what they found is that the biggest influencers of how genes are expressed are diet and environment and those are things that we can control. We can control to a great extent our diet, and we're learning more and more how we can help deal with some of the environmental impact on our physiology. Hopefully, we'll figure this all out before we end up poisoning our environment too much more. Yeah, right. Or before the whole system collapses, because listen, yeah. while people like you are are surging ahead and really making you know great inroads, and you know Pilates and yoga has taken off more and more over the past thirty years, there's also a collapsing infrastructure. Rome is burning all around us, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just it's it, it is it, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, but we've seen a lot of positive changes. Uh, how old are you, Brian? I'm going to be forty seven this year. Yeah, so you, yeah, you've been around, and um, you, I would have never guessed that uh, after meeting you. I would have thought you were in your late 30s the most, so you're taking good care of yourself. But you've been around long enough to see the, the transition. Uh, when I first got into natural health and, and all, uh, that term health nut still carried with it a, <laughs> a, a, a negative connotation. Now, uh, most of us that are health conscious realize that it's absolutely nuts not to be concerned about yeah. your health. It's nuts, it's nuts to be uh, kind of putting your head in the sand about our environment. It's, it's nuts not to be uh, proactive in areas that we need to be proactive. And there's so much that we can do to improve our health uh, so that we don't suffer debilitating illness as we, as we get older. <laughs> our later years should be our golden years. And for more and more of us, they're, they're not. And uh, I was just looking at an article on CNN about uh, how uh, my era is the era of caregiving because uh, most of us are dealing with with the uh, with with parents that are that are uh, you know getting older and we're we're looking uh, at ways to extend their life and more importantly we want to extend their life with quality um, not just you know keep them alive to keep them alive but actually add more uh, vibrancy vitality and life to their years. 
No, it's a great point, Mike. You know, and uh, it's kind of funny because when people call me a health nut, I always say, well, I guess that makes you a sick nut. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I'll steal that. Good comeback. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure. You know, there's so much more I really want to get into. We're just about out of time, but I just, you know, I saw Dr. Oz today talking about soy and obviously that's a big controversy here with the China study and Dr. Mercola being down on soy. Um, First of all, what do you think of Dr. Mercola's website since he is the number one source that people turn to these days for health information? Um, and also, what's your opinion on the soy controversy? Where do you weigh in, Michael? Okay. Well, I, I think that uh, uh, I like a lot of what Dr. Mercola has to say. There's, uh, there's some of what he says that I don't agree with 100%. I think he, he tends to be alarmist. But, you know, that, that's not a bad thing. Uh, it's, it's raising people's awareness. In regards to soy, <laughs> I'm going to use that word again, balance. Because I think soy is a, a fantastic food. I think it's a great gift from God. I think it has a lot of positive health benefits that have been demonstrated over and over over again in study after study. It's a very maligned food, but uh, I think it's because we, we have a tendency to take something that's good and then overdo it. Uh, so I think uh, a moderate consumption of soy is absolutely fine, uh, and I don't see that being a problem uh, for anyone. It's just that, unless they're allergic to soy, uh, um, but you know, we have a tendency to take something and, uh, <laughs> and really blow it out of proportion. When uh, when I was interviewing patients about their diet, many of the vegetarians that I was uh, interviewing, I mean, they were they were just loading up. They were having soy basically at at, uh, at every meal. They had replaced the the, uh, the the meat version of. <laughs> of you know whether it's bacon or uh, bologna or whatever with the soy version and so they ended up be, being uh, just out of balance with their soy intake but I think it's a good food well okay um, were the men wearing training bras were they coming to visit or what <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you know it's. It, I think I think it's a problem when you if you if you overdo it. I think I think it could be a, a serious problem for for especially for some men. No question yeah. about it. Yeah, definitely. You know, it, it might be controversial. It, 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 yeah, it might reduce their prostate uh, cancer incidence. But you're right; it may it may throw their estrogen levels or, um, you know, out of whack. Yeah, it's at yeah. least sure. You know, another one too that I'm I'm definitely um kind of confused about is the issue of grains. Now, of course, I guess gluten rich grains. I'm sh- I would I would think you'd probably stay away from like wheat. But what do you think about grains like quinoa and amaranth? Um, are you a fan of those? Well, you know, as I've gotten older, uh, you know, uh, as we age, our caloric needs decline. Even though I'm very active, uh, even though I'm I'm health conscious, exercise, and uh, I notice that I cannot eat the same volume uh, food that I used to eat. yeah, I mean, I it was great when I was in my 20s eating 5,000 to 7,000 calories a day. But I found that as I've gotten older, I have to be careful of where I allocate my my uh, um, my calories to. And, and I found one of the easiest ways for me to keep my caloric intake is to is to uh, reduce my my grain intake. I I still uh, have uh, uh, I have my own little concoction I make sometimes, especially in the winter. At night, I like I like to have a, a bowl of oatmeal. I put some PGX in there to uh, stabilize the the blood sugar levels. PGX is a, is a super fiber, but uh, I, I do like uh, that uh, that feeling. But I, I don't eat much grains. I don't eat much. Uh, 
bread these days. And, and again, I think it's just because I, I don't want those those calories. But if someone uh, doesn't have to worry about that, then I think that that uh, you know ha- having some good high quality grains is very important. And I certainly like the the old the the uh, the old uh, older grains than, than some of the the newer ones. And, and I, sure. I like. I like all those superfoods, you know, spelt, quinoa, chia. Uh, I think, I think we're going to start seeing some some really cool things and and um, with pasta and breads that that utilize these uh, these other grains besides wheat because. Uh, There are so many people these days that are sensitive to gluten, sensitive to wheat, and they need to be on an alternative. Uh, It's amazing how uh, taking someone who's uh, just even minimally gluten sensitive, we're not talking about celiac disease, but someone who has just mild gluten sensitivity, you take them off wheat, it's a dramatic improvement in in every aspect of their life. They feel so much better. I definitely agree, without a doubt. Mike, we got to wrap it up, but you know, there's so much more I want to get into. I want to get into your book um, that I just finished reading, actually, The Stress, Anxiety, Insomnia, What the Joy Companies Won't Tell You and Your Doctor Doesn't Know, because you and I have a conversation ongoing about GABA and Pharma GABA in particular, and also more on PGX. So if you would do me the honor of coming back soon, maybe next week or sometime yeah. soon and doing a part two. That'd be great. Hey, anytime. I enjoy, oh, I enjoy awesome. talking with you. It's, yeah, you know, it's we fun. always enjoy, we, we always enjoy talking to people that are of, of like mind, right? So no, it's great. I enjoy talking talk. to you. Great. And I like hearing that your, your, uh, uh, your listening base is, is, uh, similar. And then maybe sometime we can even, uh, do a live show and, uh, and have some call-ins. That'd be fun. Yeah. I'm definitely interested, without a doubt. So once again, I want to thank you for tuning in. This has been Brian Cunningham, your host with Dr. Michael Murray. Uh, If you want to read more on Dr. Murray, you can go to his website, which is, I believe, is drmurray.com. Is that correct? That's that's right. Okay, there you go. Thanks again. This has been Quantum Physiques on ArchMuscle.com. Stay tuned next week for an awesome show. Take care, everybody. Quantum Physiques with Brian Cunningham is dedicated to harnessing the power of the holy grail of health, fitness, lifestyle, and success. And you'll hear Quantum Physiques every Wednesday evening. Only on Rx Muscle.